This is Blake Seven in Character, the podcast that travels at Standard by Five to seek out elements from the classic TV show. We'll be taking a look at the one-off characters and occasionally the not-so-one-offs, who they are, what we think, the actor's backstory, and anything that occurs to us as we waffle away. So, stand by to teleport, but this is going to be spoiler-heavy, so it's advisable that you watch the episode first. Hello and welcome to yet another special where this time we're having a look through our annuals and our old Blake 7 monthlies, aren't we Ian? We are indeed. Um, yeah, we're not going to be relying on uh, like actors' portrayals or anything. It's going to just have to rely on the word. The, the word, word. The, the word. word. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. Yeah, I enjoyed doing that. For a split second there, you and I were both Travis Mark too. Yeah. We were two Mark twos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we get into it, I'd just like yes. uh, just to say um, before we start. Last week we we were talking uh, Star Drive and Doctor Plaxton, weren't we? We were indeed. And yeah. uh, we were wondering about did Phil Stevens own the uh, original Star Drive? And yeah. yes, indeed, I got in touch oh, with did. Phil, oh. and yes, that is um, that is the one. And. Uh, <laughs> been a bloody idiot and i've forgotten it uh yeah you were right uh part of the star drive is adapted from something else uh, and it's the sights or the barrel of of uh one of serverland's troopers when they were in those odd costumes um in season like three or four i'll put the photo on facebook but yeah um phil sent me the photo and yeah you can see it's there you, you know it is because you know the star drive itself is quite gaudy isn't it it's all silver it um, is yeah yeah and so is that gun it, um yeah it's a very gaudy silver gun and yeah they've just taken a bit off just of that used and it. which it yeah they, they do a lot of don't they yeah yeah That's interesting um did you find out from phil whether it goes at uh time distort 15 in real time i don't know i should have asked him that if, oh. if he's actually got it in his car yeah, that would be good. Or what size batteries it takes. Yeah, it will be D's, won't it? D cells, yeah. D so cells. Early 80s, got to be D cells. Yeah, it won't be Tariel cells, it's D cells, yeah. All right, so yeah, we're going to talk about the annuals and the monthlies, and I thought we'll do the annuals first, seeing as they came out first, okay? Makes sense. Logical as ever. Logical as ever. Now, the problem I've got about talking with the annuals is I only ever bought one, uh, the very first one. So I suppose the first question is why? Why why didn't you get the rest? Because the same reason I didn't very often get any annuals for, you know, 2000 AD or Star-Lord or Battle. The annuals never really had much to do with the regular version, you know. It was always padded out with text stories and, you know, crosswords and things like that. It wasn't an awful yeah. lot to do with the show that you know. It was like a bizarre, bizarro alternative well, we, universe. Yeah, I was going to say, should we, for the benefit of non-UK, because I think, I think the annual is a, a UK, in, in the way we're using the word annual, uh, oh, is yeah, a UK a thing. So Amer for America, if, if we're saying, like, comic annuals, you're probably thinking of, like... Marvel do annuals and DC do annuals and they're just a thick edition of the comic book but when we're talking about annuals growing up in in um, Britain in the 60s 70s 80s um, the annual was a hardback um, 
A4 size, usually A4, they varied, A4 size uh, book of about sort of 60, 70 pages. Sometimes they went a bit thicker. Um, usually very cheaply printed, um, usually published by a publishing company that didn't publish like the comic versions of the books. Um, and the one that did the most of the BBC stuff was a, a company called World Distributors, and they were were renowned for their books not being entirely relevant to the universes that they're portraying. And they did, I mean, they did the Doctor Who, they're probably most famous for the Doctor Who annuals, but they did a lot of stuff. And they, they lasted till about the sort of the mid-80s um, when the everything started to become homogenized for distribution. So like Doctor Who would start to everything would have to be licensed, everything would have to be I mean these were licensed, but everything would have to be approved. And the the, the sort of annuals that, that Eric and I are talking about are not something that would get approved now. They're usually written by people that have probably never seen the program. They're usually drawn by artists that have probably never seen the program. Um and to, for me that's what makes them so wonderful. I'm I'm sick to death of of homogenized product that we get now. It's top quality. It's written by people that are very knowledgeable and it's full of facts and it's full of, and they're so boring. Mm. Give me the 1960s mad Doctor Who annuals any day over the modern stuff. Yeah, but you say that, but back in the 70s and the 80s when you were getting the annuals, the, did you, you enjoy know. them or were you disappointed with them? Well, no. Interesting, because then we're, we're going to have to split annuals into into several groups. So you had things like the Dandy and the Beano annual, and I love them. I absolutely love them. I remember every time I was ill off school, uh, uh, you would sit in bed with probably a bowl of soup, and your mum or dad would bring in a stack of annuals from the attic and say, there you go, read that, keep you going all day, brilliant, love them. Those annuals were usually published by the actual comic publisher and drawn by the regular artist, mm. brilliant. The Doctor Who ones, now I would get them every year, and other than the early Hartnell ones, which I did, obviously I was I didn't get at the time, but I got later and I loved reading. I never read really the annuals. You'd look at them, flick through them. The, yeah, you're right. There was a disappointment to them because they, you never thought they were particularly authentic, hmm. but you you wanted them. Obviously, you didn't. You wanted other stuff because you didn't get them. Um, <laughs> and what what annoyed me the most, which I is the other way around now. I I always wanted an annual full of Doctor Who comic strips. I didn't want to read, you know, five page short stories that were generally nonsense. I wanted to read a comic strip. But the other thing about the annuals is the comic strips that were in them were uniformly abysmal. Mm. They they were just pointlessness not not very well drawn you, you might get them sort of drawn from a, a few reference photos but usually the comic strips were terrible and at that time i love comic strips on the other way around now i much prefer reading the prose stories the comic strips generally are just insipid mm. but yeah i there was there was definitely a you were disappointed if you didn't get one in your stocking at christmas and these are, again with these are very much a christmas present these yes. are what your, your your granny would buy you because they knew you were into that weird Doctor Who program so you would get these annuals um, now the Blake 7 ones were interesting in that the first one probably like you I got 
as a because like I say my dad was very much into sci-fi he loved we started watching Blake Seven. He loved it, so he bought that. And then the other two, I asked for, mm-hmm. um, because I enjoyed the first one so much, which is weird because I, I've recently reread all the annuals. I thought I better read them for this uh, podcast, um, just see what they're like. And I can't see what appealed to me as a child in them. <laughs> I can't, I, I can't imagine younger me reading them and going, "Oh, Blake gets locked in a cupboard." Oh. <laughs> Exciting stories. When you're little, though, do you think it's just the fact that you have got a piece of Blake Seven merchandise? Yes. Because there was nothing yeah, else. I, it, it was just I, the annual, wasn't it? You're right. I think. I think back then, because again, we're 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 talking sort of late seventies, early eighties, especially the late seventies. There wasn't a lot of merchandise, so you no. savored every bit. Yeah. There were you. You never heard about it. It's, it's a bit like if you if you saw a clip of something you like, like Doctor and Blake Seven on the news, that was like a a once a year red letter day because there was no this sort of stuff wasn't everywhere and if you went went into a bookshop you would probably see the target doc two novelizations um but you would definitely see the annuals and you're right i think it's more the fact that you own something with that wonderful blake seven logo on and also, you say wonderful. They always had wonderful covers. The covers, yes, yes. the covers yes. were so much better than anything yeah. that was inside. They, they they were very misleading. Those covers, especially That's the correct. the first one, is the one with the liberator on it, isn't it? No, the fir- first one is the the one with the collage of pictures. Oh, so right. Seventy nine annual has uh, sort of random publicity stills from early season one. So you got Blake, Callie, Gan, Villa, Avon, and Jenna. Uh, on the back, you've got a photo of the Liberator and the same picture of Blake. But the the follow-on annual, the annual 1980, that's the one with the artwork Liberator. Oh no, uh, I'm thinking of the, the fir- I'm thinking of the back cover of the first one. Yes, yeah, right. that's got the Liberator on right. with a very large Blake-looking moon-faced at it. Um, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Any money that was spent on licensing was to get photos to put on the cover. Mm. And the, yeah, the covers always looked much better than than the contents yeah. than the insides did. Um, and up until about eighty two, eighty three, they were always printed on like almost newsprint paper, slightly mm. thicker but very rough. Mm. Didn't take ink very well. You could only do like usually four color stuff. Um, there's, I mean, there's a charm to them. You know, don't don't get me wrong. There's a charm to them, and they they bring back so many memories. But uh, I just can't imagine them being very popular today but they must have been popular because mm. oh, world distributors did annuals for everything they certainly did i mean yeah i was very disappointed that's why i only got the first one maybe i should seek them out because um i should i should mention here you know anybody that um especially who are not in the uk who aren't aware of the annuals uh if if you go to ian's youtube channel Ian has done a, a good read-through on them, haven't you? So you can yeah, see them I, there. And, and looking at that, that's actually got my interest peaked about, oh, maybe I should get these again because I'm so much older now. I know what they're like. Maybe I, I, I'm like yourself. I'll get more enjoyment out of them now than I did back then. Yeah, I, th- I think you should seek them out. They're still relatively cheap. Um, you sometimes see the third annual. Um, so each annual was based on the season, so... The first annual was season one, second annual was season two. The third annual is season three, and it's it's very, very gaudy, uh, the annual. They've gone over to slightly better paper. Um, you might as well call it the Del Tarrant annual, because all the stories are featuring this wonderful 
amazing new character called Del Tarrant, um, who occasionally lets the Liberator crew hang around with him. Um, but that one, for a while, that was going for silly money. Oh, I'm, really? I, you know, I'm talking 40, 50 quid style oh, really? amounts. Lovely. Yeah. Um, and then I think people cottoned on that actually it's not that rare it's not as rare as they think it's still the rarest of the three looking at sort of ebay prices but um i my 1979 annual is my oldest one that's from the the that's not my one from a child because the other thing with these annuals they fall apart very easily so the 1979 one i've got i was one from my original round of of being in fandom Mm -hmm. um but the other two i bought fairly recently like in the last couple of years and um i i held out for the third annual till i saw it uh, i think i paid about eight nine quid for this one mm-hmm. and it's really nice condition but yeah they were going for silly money is it is it what why what, do you know was there a, a low print run or something like that or people just didn't buy it because you know uh there wasn't such a following on blake seven um, anymore I, I imagine it's probably the print run because I don't know whether they've ever done any sort of statistical analysis of, of world distributors. I know I have seen a Doc 2 one where they listed the Doc 2 print run, and you can see that the, the ones that were rare, like the, the what they call the Pink Pertwee um, and some of the Troutons, they were very reduced print run. Right. Um, and then also there's the, the what they call remaindered stock. So uh, if they didn't sell, they would the, these annuals were sold on a um, sell or return basis. So basically anything that didn't sell would get pulped so that the paper could be used for the next one. So if an annual didn't particularly sell well, it's not like there's stacks of them that were sat in a warehouse and then found that sort of thing. Right. They, yeah, they, the ones that sold are the ones that are out there sort of thing. So, you, yeah, I, I was going to say, I've just had a massive flashback to something I haven't thought about for, for years and years and years in that you, you say about, you know, they would send away to be pulped when I was growing up down the road uh, there was a paper mill and uh, me and some of my friends had cottoned on to the fact that there were tons of magazines there, you know, yeah. and if you climbed over the fence, you could help yourself to them. And they had all the old like Eerie and all the oh, American yeah. uh, horror magazines. And yeah, we used to climb the fence and, and, and nab all these magazines. Yeah. Well, I, I used to work for WH Smith's um, in their warehouse department um, back in Oxford. And, uh, part of the job was to uh basically tear the covers off these magazines so yeah the idea being that you would you would try and make them so that they couldn't be sold again because mm-hmm. in case they you were you know intercepted or whatever so you would tear the free gift off tear the cover off damage them in some way and some of the magazines that now you look at the prices of and you think i probably ripped up a thousand copies of that it's uh yeah it's shocking well, I'll tell you what's shocking, going off on another mini-tangent, is the price of magazines now. I mean, I, I I I was in Smith's the other day, and the new Doctor Who magazine was out. and But it's a sealed one, because there's like free posters and yeah. stuff. And it's like, I always like to check, you know, that it's worth buying beforehand. And... I can't do that. I can't just have five ninety nine for a magazine. I'm not, I'm not gambling £6 on a magazine I might not want, you know? Yeah, the the prices of um, published stuff. Of, I mean, a, any sort of reading matter has gone up, hasn't it? I mean, when the I mean these Blake Seven ones are around sort of, the the published price inside is like one seventy five, one ninety five. Yeah. Um, but I can remember like buying going to the the local bookshop, um, Blackwell's in Oxford, and 
looking at the target novelizations for Doctor Who and going and picking the ones out that were below a quid because you right. got more. <laughs> and but now paperback. I mean, I was in um, Waterstones. Was it yesterday or Friday? And uh, I was looking at paperback. And I thought this this sounds quite good. It was a history of uh, the Battle of Arnhem, and I thought I've got a few. But I looked on the back, and it was nineteen ninety nine. Good lord! For a paperback. Uh, so yeah, you know, I'll, I'll wait. It, it, it'll, it'll come somewhere, or the library will get it. But even the Doctor, like the Doctor Who annuals, and the even the 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 other annuals that you can get, they're now sort of seven ninety nine, eight ninety nine cover price. No one ever sells them at that. They, they all no. all end up at ninety nine p just before Christmas. Yeah, yeah, that's what my mum used to do when our children yeah. were uh, younger. She would wait until almost Christmas, and then you'd get like you know. Um, buy to get one free or something like that, you know. Nobody uh, buys it at the full price. No way. No. It's just, I do feel sorry for sort of young collectors now, sort of genuine, not us older fans, <laughs> us, us uh, basement dwellers. Um, but the, the genuine new fans that love something, it must be horrendous because everything is so expensive. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So so these three annuals, okay, you, you you've read them. Yes. What would you say is the best? Which one do you think uh, has got the best production values, got the most uh, entertainment out of it? Which do you think, if anybody wanted to uh, dip their toe into Blake Seven annuals, which one would you recommend? Um, production value-wise, the third one uh, is got the best paper, the the really nice illustrations in it. Um, but story-wise, my favourite is the first annual, the seventy-nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always was sort of under the impression that that a lot you know that the these weren't very relevant stories they weren't very well written but having reread them all um, you can see especially in the first annual that they they were given they were obviously given decent character profiles and I would say in a couple of the stories whoever has written them because again these annuals are almost always uncredited you'd never know who's drawn it you can sort of work out because there's certain well-known artists that do both and Doctor Who and Blake Seven um but the stories in it they're I won't say they're good because they're they're very very short stories Mm -hmm. but they're they do follow the program a bit more but they tend to follow certain aspects so like in in annual one Blake is probably the best written character, which you would sort of expect mm-hmm. him being a hero. So you can you can read it and you can go, yeah, that's Blake. Avon is is quite well written, but written as the very early season one uh, criminal Avon. So everything he does is either arguing with Blake or wanting to make some money out of him. So his thing is, in this is whatever Blake suggests, how can I make money out of it? Right. Um, Jenna. It might as well not be there. The same with Gan. Gan, I think. I mean, I, I was. I mean, if you go to my YouTube channel, you can. I've actually put up a um, like a. I, I say dramatic reading. That's. <laughs> I was that's just about to mention it. this. Yeah. Yes. And and when I was doing it, because I did it as a originally did it as a, a sound file, because I thought we could perhaps include it on this or put some clips in. And then I thought, well, actually, I'll put it on my YouTube channel, but I better do a promotional video. So I had this really stupid idea of thinking I'll only use illustrations in the annuals, mm-hmm. you know, which was good until I came. I I couldn't find a picture of Gan. There's no there's Gan. Not, there's no Gan. Eventually, I found him on the side of one 
picture in the annual in the first annual there's a tiny little drawing and doesn't look much like him oh, no. but that's the only picture and in in the story in the stories he gets hardly a mention i mean in and i don't know whether this is wonderfully genius that they've understood his character but in in the story that i've uh, put on youtube um the only the only line he gets is uh, they intercept a satellite and it they want they're going to go and pick it, and gan is the one that says do you want me to go and pick it up so it's like they've realized that, that yeah that Gan's is true character, to the show <laughs> yeah and, and it's little things like that and you think they they've either run into the same problem with these characters or they've watched the show and realized yeah no yeah. no one's no one's watching this for gan is, is um, he not on the cover on that photo uh, he's on cover. he's on the cover on the photo but i didn't want to use photos all oh, right right um i, I wanted it to, to give it that because because again if anyone that's ever had world distributors annuals they the artwork is so evocative of the period um usually not very good likenesses i must say this the first annual has some cracking uh, likenesses of blake and avon yeah, i was going to um, say on your youtube yeah. thing I, w- I was watching it earlier and there's a good side shot of of avon and i i recognize the photo that that's been taken from but no he's done a good job yeah and there's um you reckon you're, you're absolutely right you you recognize the the shots that they've done it there's the you know the 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 classic shot of Blake sat down looking wistfully up yeah in the air and I think yeah. it's from when he's in the cell it's um, when he's in the, the cell, cell. Yeah. yeah yeah and they've done a version of that and it's it, it I mean I, if if you I'd love to have the original artwork I'd put it on my wall it's such a good version um but the other well-written character in the first annual, which I was surprised by, is Callie. Callie's really good in this mm-hmm. annual. Um, she's, and, and again, because she's written, they've obviously written it from the first sort of early portion of the series. So she is, she's a feisty. She, she's not stupid. She suggests the right thing, and it's like, oh, it's almost like I wish her character had carried on yeah. like the annual yeah. version of Callie. Um, but interestingly, so, so that's annual one, 1979, which I would, if, if you, back to your original question, if you were going to buy any, I'd probably buy that one because that's a, it's got the nicest cover, I think, but B it's got, it's the best representation of the series. Mm-hmm. When you move on to the second annual, which is the 1980 annual. Now there's two versions of this. There's one with the annual 1980 written on the front and there's one where it's missed off um whether which one's more rare entirely up to yourself i mm. personally don't care uh, the artwork is really nice it's um uh, done by uh it looks like the same guys that were doing a doctor Who annual at that time um and the again the likeness is really good some of it is i'm presuming oil paintings there's a lovely shot of two federation guards um you do tend to get the, the creeping of the other stock photos that they adapt for it. So like in one shot, it's um, Sean Connery from Never Say Never Again, where he's being strangled by Pat Roach. Right. And he's he's in there. It's like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, uh, Richard Dreyfuss is on one of the, the pages, which is Good nice. Lord. But the stories in, in this one are quite strange. So... They th- they thought well, let's open strongly. So the first um, the first story, which is called Planet of No Escape, basically they they find a prison planet called Cygnus Alpha. Okay. I don't know whether it's the right same one. It doesn't sound. It, certainly in the prose, it doesn't sound like it. They beam down to it, and Blake accidentally gets locked into a cell, and that's it. That's the story. He spends all his time in the cell. 
Villa and Cowley beam down to see where he's got to, wander about a bit, don't really encounter anyone, and then Villa lets uh, Blake out the cell and they beam up. And that's and that's, that's it. That's the that's the opening story. Um, oh dear. Travis appears. <laughs> Travis in quotation marks appears in this uh, second annual um but he, he in some of the illustrations he doesn't have an eye patch and he's got a goatee beard i think and i've seen one of them yeah. A, yeah he's called colonel travis sometimes <laughs> space colonel travis but he's he's obviously been demoted um and it's if you recognize him from the program well done to you you've done better than me um so the second annual the 1981 i would say that's the weakest of the three in as far as it's it's of the sort of level that world distributors were renowned for right right it's bland it's not going to you know you're not going to be offended by it but if you ever read those stories again i would be surprised um and then you move on to the third annual and i found this just this is amazing so you remember we were saying um, in the Javik one where we thought, were they trying to build Tarrant up as the mm-hmm. as the leader of the show? And I think judging by this, yeah, they were. Because most of the stories, Tarrant's lead in the action. Right. Um, they weirdly call him Del Tarrant throughout. Um, and he's he's like this. He really is like Robin Hood in it. He's thigh-slapping heroic everywhere everyone that he meets loves it they're sort of they know of him and they they're in awe of talent it's uh, i mean if i were if i was um stephen pacey i'd buy this annual just to show like if you got grandkids say look i played a character that was beloved so tarrant would have subscribed to this uh annual as well as his you know uh top gear space top gear yes i think so i could imagine i can imagine him having this on the the flight deck and pulling it out and showing avon saying look i'm in charge yeah he'll just leave it lying around in case anybody oh 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 what's this here (laughs) yeah i can i can imagine tarrant doing like zaphod and sitting in his room and signing photos of himself to himself yeah the other thing that I love about these annuals, and and you'll remember this from from childhood, is the amount of filler in them. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's. Have a look. I mean, I don't think there's even a page out, but let's. Oh, there is. So the third annual is sixty-two pages. Right. So that's what thirty-one leaves, um, and probably over half of that is filler. The these annuals have got five stories in each one. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest is filler, and it's things like Zen facts. Mm-hmm. So let me—I just noticed that I was going to. So it's—it's it's basically they did the same thing in Doc Two. So they would do ones like canines facts, and it'd be uh, the bumblebee can't actually fly. That you know yeah. that level of yeah. uh, of nonsense. And they would always have um, features about uh, like mythological creatures, Greek myths, things like that. Um, and then this one, this is my favorite, the alphabet of space and science. So basically it's an A to Z, but you could, uh, you, you don't need to do any sort of degree because you could just read this and it gives you all the W is for weather satellite, oh. things like that. Yeah. Who, top, top, who, top. who makes this? Who, what office is there <laughs> at that time where, right, we've, as you say, you know, we've got X amount of pages, we've only got five stories, we've got a couple of photos, was there like a generic pool of these like 
crappy little articles and crosswords and mazes and things I, like that. Yeah, I think there must have been. I think because when these were done, this is well before computers, so everything would have been it's physical, set up, isn't it? Physical, yeah. The artwork would need to be drawn. Um, I know they would on on the early Doctor Who's. They would occasionally get Italian artists to draw it, hmm. um, but with these, yeah, I. I imagine that there was probably world distributors and I imagine world distributors as being like this, this industrial estate shed when I think of it. And I imagine there was some guy there and that was Fred in the corner and he was the guy that did the filler. Yeah. He just and pasted he, them all up. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was, cause if, if I was doing these, if I was doing these now and I was doing that sort of job, I would fill it with crap that was at least, so I would like do an agony aunt page, but with Jarvik doing it. <laughs> and stuff you know yeah i'm having a problem with my boyfriend woman woman know <laughs> your place uh, yeah it, <laughs> and i would do stuff like weirdly the first annual has a couple of pages of a very 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 early cast photos promotional stuff which are quite nice with uh, a rundown of each character because they obviously thought at this point i don't know who's buying this annual that hasn't seen the show hmm. I don't know, but but they obviously went through. And um, Gans is is quite interesting. So I'll, I'll just read it to you. It says, Gan is a man of enormous physical strength and mental stability. Okay. Really? <laughs> he is a man of simple tastes and strong convictions. He saw his home planet, Zephron, destroyed by the Federation and killed several Federation troops in an effort to stop their onslaught. Um, okay. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> Before being sent to Cygnus Alpha, he had a limiter implanted in his brain that stops him from killing anything. So that's a very short paragraph, but chock full of, of things I would question. Also, I mean, this is, you know, the the show came out in January 78. So this yep. annual, the 79 annual, went on sale in December so the first season had come and gone. So if you're going to buy this or have this bought for you, you already know who all the characters are. Uh, but don't, are. don't don't forget, annuals are always dated a year ahead. So the '79 annual came out for Christmas '78. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. By then, because yeah, the show should've... started in January, it finished around yeah, about Christmas true. time. So you would have known by then who all these people are. But yeah, and also if you don't, who's buying this for someone that doesn't know who they are? Yeah. You know yeah, who's yeah, yeah. who's opening their Christmas stocking and going. Oh, Blake Seven. Well, I've never seen that, but thank you, Granny. I actually asked for Star Wars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, um, but interesting that they've they've this is a, these annuals are aimed at kids. Now, I I mean, Blake Seven certainly season one wasn't aimed at kids. No, it's not. It, I mean, there's things in it that that are not suitable for children, it, like Gan killed the guard that was raping his woman. Mm -hmm. Oh, Gan, you're better than that. Um, but they obviously couldn't put that in this annual because it's aimed at kids. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's I mean, the the weirdest annual I've got from World Distributors is, do you remember a TV show called Hunter? Yes. It, yeah. Do you remember? It was yeah. a, it was a Dirty Harry ripoff. Yes. Yeah. And it was, it was not a children's show. So you had the, a guy that was <clears throat> renowned for killing people rather than bring him in for trial and his partner who specialized as going undercover as a prostitute and they've done an <laughs> annual about this oh good lord it what a weird world it was it was a weird world yes it certainly was yeah right. but of, of, i i mean i would get all three if i were you because um I there's think so I will. there's precious you could 
if you were, I mean, other than the fact that they cost a, cost a lot for merchandise, there's such precious little Blake 7 merchandise. It's an ideal program if you wanted to collect everything that was released when it was on live. Because mm. you could put it all in a shoebox and put it in the attic. All right. Okay. In fact, the hardest thing would be the Federation gun, wouldn't it? <laughs> Which yes. Yeah. I've, I've never even seen in person. But yeah, I, 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 they're a good laugh. Some of the stories are actually quite good. There's one in, uh, I think it's Annual 1, called The Box. And that's actually, that would be a good story in a, like a collection of short stories. It's really well written. It's the, it, they capture Avon in that one mm-hmm. perfectly. But, but yeah, they're, they're worth a read. They really are. Yeah, I, th- I think I might head on over to eBay once we've finished yeah. recording today then. Yeah, and the good thing is, because we record, obviously, ahead of it being broadcast, you can get in and buy them before all the listeners do. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I can take photos and put them up yes. on the day that this uh, episode comes out. Right. Yeah, so you, uh, you can't see them on eBay? No, because I've bought them all. Because I've got them all. All right, okay, sounds like a plan. All right, I'm going to do that. All right, so that's the annuals out of the way, so we'll go on to the monthlies. I'm guessing you're the same as me in that uh, when the monthly was announced that it was coming out, you were really looking forward to it. I was um, over the moon with it. It was because I, I, I was a regular purchaser of Doctor Who Weekly and Doctor Who Monthly. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you, presumably you were at the time. I think most can I just tend to buy it. Can I just stop you? I will, I yeah. will read verbatim my uh, my show notes. Uh, after all, we had had the Doctor Who Weekly, which I adored, and then that morphed into the Monthly. So yes. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so <laughs> e- everyone seems to buy it. Yeah, and then when this came out, it was because we've mentioned before on the program that there was very little for Blake Seven fans mm. in the way of anything, and I thought this is going to be the Blake Seven equivalent of of Doctor Who Monthly. Exactly. Yes. And I thought, oh, this this is going to be the best thing ever, and it's um. It's not really, is it? It's not. It's like it the annual. Lump- yeah, it's almost it, like the annual, at least yeah. to begin with. Yeah, it does. It gets, and I, I, I perhaps I shouldn't say the word better, but it gets different as it goes on. But yeah, you're, the first, especially the first issue, mm. which I, I do, I like the first issue, and it's got some really high points in it, but it feels utterly slapped together. Mm-hmm. Um, the there's lots of filler, there's lots yep. of nonsense. Um, it looks really good, and I, I, the other night when we, um, we were talking about getting the, the the magazines out to go through them, and uh, I didn't realise I actually still had my original original copy of issue one. I didn't think I kept it. Right. It's in an absolutely manky condition, but the uh, the iron-on transfer is still stuck in it, leaching away oh, <laughs> its colour. Boy, that that leached um, within like weeks, didn't it? Yeah. Well, this I can remember by so, going to smiths and and getting this and i i started a, a an order straight away so i used to order my people going back uh to them days the shops didn't really carry everything all the time especially like the the more provincial wh smiths yeah. or news agents you would have to order something in yeah. and and smiths had this horrible thing where they they would order it in and whoever was doing sorting out the magazines would write your name on the front. Yep, yep. Now oh, some that, people that is a yeah. staple of British oh, comics, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it just it annoys me so much. To the point when I when I took over that duty when I worked for Smith, I would 
either put post-it notes on or insert something into the i would wouldn't touch that pristine copy um that's my dedication to duty for you folks um (laughs) but yeah so so occasionally you would get someone that that obviously had a bit of uh, common sense and they would write in pencil in a margin somewhere or across the top but then you would also get some people that would write either in pencil or pen across like the main face so i i I used to have a doctor monthly uh, with peter davison on the front and written across his cheek was my name (laughs) in pen uh it used to it infuriates me um but yeah so i i ordered i went in and pre-ordered the blake seven magazine and it turned up and i must admit at the time i i absolutely loved it but you're right it came with this free iron on transfer and i can remember the the utter hassle i had so i i got my mum to sort me out a white t-shirt and then i got her to iron it on and then i had to go and and you could never get anything other than a smeary mess yeah. out of this yeah. iron on transfer um and it's still it's died about four pages mm. <laughs> the ink's just soaked through um <laughs> But yeah, I'm I'm amazed I kept it. I had actually I hole punched it to put it into folders. Which, what, the, uh, what the magazines themselves? The magazine, yeah, the magazines themselves. So I I punched holes. A lot holes. of people did that. I've, I it, yeah. it would never have occurred to me to do that. But yeah, I, I've I've bought up on eBay, you know, um, old issues of Battle or Lion and stuff like that. And yeah, sometimes they come with uh, center punches in them. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I've, which is weird because. I, I was very much a um, a bit of a, a a neatness freak when I was younger that I would try and look after stuff, you know. Yeah, but I supposing your, I suppose your brain says, well, I am looking after stuff. If I if yeah, I put holes true, in yeah. it and put them in a folder, that's better than just putting them in a box. Yeah, because at, at that point we didn't know anything about plastic sleeves or anything no. like that. Well, we never they had anything like that. Of. It's that what you had in Smiths. It's Smiths yeah. again, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. This episode, um, episode should be sponsored by WH Smiths. The amount of plugs we're giving them. I think so. I think I think they should. Uh, they should. Well, actually, they're probably on their wrappers, aren't they? But um, they probably haven't got anything to give away. <laughs> but yeah, the the first issue, it almost feels like a promotional thing that they might, someone might take to a publisher to say, this is this is an idea of what I've got in mind. Yeah. And then the publishers go, oh, that's that's quite good, but let's fix this. Well, fix there that. there was something like that. I we'll talk about that at the end of this. But yeah, no, you're right. It it does look lashed together. It really does. Yeah. And you know, when Doctor Who Weekly came out, that had a lot of filler in it. You know, you had a gag page and you had, yeah. you know, and quizzes and you know, did you know type things. But after a while, after a while. The articles started coming in, didn't they? You, where, where you got in-depth yeah. interviews and insights into the making of the show, and as you know, Doctor Who monthly evolved, it got more into the making of it and behind the scenes. And the comic strip was usually pretty good quality as well. And that's what I was hoping for when they go, "Oh, Blake Seven Monthly is coming out." Yeah, you know, it's I like, want. Oh, this is going to be fabulous. I wanted articles about the making of. I yeah. wanted to read about the old days that my memory was was still telling me was better than this new series that was on yeah but um, what we got though yeah. when it did come out i mean issue one if we, if we focus on that first you yeah. know uh i mean it's dated october 1981 and it was released to coincide with the return of the show's season four okay um and i'm 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 guessing because you know i know production of a magazine or a comic is you know quite a long production 
gestation time. So I'm guessing when they actually started this, they hadn't known that the show was going to actually be cancelled. I, I would put point. money on it, yeah. I would put money on it that if they'd have known this was the final season and everyone was going to get gunned down, they probably wouldn't have gone into it. No, but I'm sure they had some sort of commitment to produce X amount minimum yeah. of episodes, uh, 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 issues. And that is why, you know, towards the end of this show's... Uh, shows? I keep saying show. It's a, <laughs> it's a magazine, Eric. Towards the end of the magazine's run... It was all about the death of Blake Seven, you know, month yes. after month yeah. after month. But here, I don't think when they actually, you know, kick-started it and, it and off it went, they had an idea. I've seen that it was round about when issue four came out. That was when, you know, the BBC had said, no, there's nothing else. And that's when you started getting letters in the letters pages from viewers who were just stunned that this show was finishing. Yeah, I I think you're I think you're right. It's they they wouldn't have been told they wouldn't they yeah they would have been said you've got to bring out at least this amount. Mm. Um, which which how many issues did go? I haven't got the full. I think run, it's twenty three. I think it, it it ran to twenty three plus a summer special and a winter special. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which which were mainly reprints, weren't yes, they? The, yeah. The two specials, which again was a I mean, Doctor Who magazine, when that first started, Doctor Who Weekly, when the first summer special was like the uh, Iron Legion reprint, and yeah. they would reprint. It was it was a way of getting another um, issue out. I don't know what I used to think of as a kid when I used to get by a summer special, and it would be just total everything I've already got. I don't know. I, I mean, summer yeah. specials again. I mean, that's a that that that's a British curiosity yes. that you would have a summer special of your regular comic, and 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 they are quite collectible because people yeah. didn't keep them. You took it on holiday with you. Yeah, that's what exactly what I was just going to say. That's and what you threw designed. it away. Yeah, that's yeah, why summer specials holiday, of any comic. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you threw it away, or you left it at the hotel, and uh, yeah. So that that they are always more uh, collectible. Um, but not this Blake Seven one. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. This is yeah. uh, issue one. Issue one, we're still on issue one. Yeah. So yeah, from the get-go, I mean, the format didn't really change over the uh, the life of the magazine. I mean, you've got uh, Villa's gags right from the get-go. Yes, they're awful. Awful. Cracker variety gags and i'm sure i've seen them before I've, i'm sure i've seen them in buster and things like that yeah, you know they probably yeah. yeah yeah there is a pool of you know filler material out there and that's definitely from that um there there was a very very brief look at the stuntman nick joseph yeah um, that's quite nice yeah, yeah that, that's, that, that was that's quite sort nice. of a foretaste of what it would become isn't it yeah um you had like a profile of all the characters uh, that yep. are on the Scorpio, um, which has them all from the planet Earth. Did you notice even Sulin is from Earth? I know. Oh, yeah, native of Earth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we got a text story. Um, and like I say, I never read the text stories. I was always put off by the art. The art, it was just so bad. My mental connection is, well, if the art's this bad, how bad's the story? Yeah, it's... It's yeah, I, I 
I quite like the artwork throughout the magazine. I don't think it's oh, really? hideous. Oh, yeah. no, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I mean, we're just about to talk about the comic strip. Um, yeah. And the comic strip, I mean, that's a different league to the artwork that you had on the text story. Uh, yeah. We'll get, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, we had a maze in issue yeah, one. Yeah, I, I remember loving that as a kid. I spent ages trying to work out because <laughs> I, I, it, it almost felt like a little solitaire game right. in that you, you've got you can use your clip gun in a certain way and you can only got so many shots and i love it and you look at it now and it, you're right it's just a maze it's absolutely pointless it is it is uh we've got a star profile of paul darrow in this yes, first issue yeah. with we've his head, a... and, head and shoulders publicity shot yeah yeah we've got a book review yeah the reviews are weird aren't they there's a book review and a film review yeah of outland which was yeah. at, at that time that the, the certificate was a double A. Yeah. So you had so to be you, 14 or over. Well, I don't... This is, a, this is, again, weird. So we were saying that the annuals were aimed at inappropriate ages. I'm not sure that this was actually aimed at kids. I mean, you've got things like Villa's Gags, like you said, yeah. and, and the, the maze. And I, but everything else screams to me that this was aimed at your, your, your Doctor Who monthly star reader. Yes. So probably teenage rather yeah. than but yeah you're right they, they still couldn't go and see the uh double a outland they could go and see the god-awful condor man though that's <laughs> reviewed people don't talk about that film anymore do they you never no, hear, hear no. this ever mentioned i don't uh, think even the actors involved talk no about no it, michael it. crawford certainly doesn't no. don't gloat about it and uh we've got ask orac yes which was science questions okay um but written by whom? Who are these people who are writing in to ask ORAC? If this is the first issue, who are these people who are writing into a magazine that doesn't exist yet? Um, Time travelers. You know, that's, that's a very good question. So had they had they just by chance were having trouble with working out how old the moon is and thought, who shall I write to? I'll write to Marvel, the well-known publisher. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Were they like perhaps these are the people in the office? Perhaps this is the yeah, hint we've got. Who thinking. made this magazine? Yeah. Do you think that they're actual names? It's the editorial staff, and if you look at all these people from Bolton or whatever, that's the actual people. Maybe I like that's it says. Clue. So one of these is David Kennedy from Dundee asks, "How many constellations can be seen from Earth? <laughs> Get a life." <laughs> Oh, it, 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 it is odd. But, you know, we've then got the comic strip. And, you know, and initially the comic strip started pretty well. And it was that and the colour photos on the cover and um, the later to, to come pin-ups. That's why I liked it, because it was a bit of merchandise, you know, where where you had photo references. Because, of course, yes. at that time you didn't have photo references. That, you, 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 until you had the monthly... You had to rely on like the Radio Times if you're ever going to see a photo, yeah. or Starburst if Starburst ever did a a short feature on something. Well, this was a this was a godsend for me because at the time this is sort of pre IMAR models, but at the time I I used to make little figures of all my favourite programmes, and I had hundreds and hundreds of figures that I converted, and I didn't have any I didn't so know the Blakes and the new uniforms, so I as each poster came out, I would make that figure. So in oh, turn, right. I would make them, which, which is funny because I was looking at these posters the other night and 
so the first issue you get Avon makes sense. Second mm-hmm. issue you get Villa makes sense, and then you get to, you have to wait till issue sixteen to get Taron. <laughs> but I would have thought everyone was crying out for Taron on their wall, weren't they? Oh, I think Taron was. Is that the yeah. centre page pullout of Taron? Yes, the centre page pullout. That that definitely was on his wall in the Scorpio. Yeah. Definitely, because because that that poster is what basically i used in the issue one to to do my little avon figure that eventually mutated into the imar one. Oh, that's your reference that shot to, yeah that was the reference shot which is why it's probably inaccurate from the back because i couldn't see his back <laughs> oh they were lovely now, the, times the, the question is did you used to pull the poster out put no on the wall? no did you not? I used i know to. no see, yeah but you and i are different ages i mean october that's 1981 true, yeah. Okay, in October 1981, I'm 19 and I'm at college. Yeah. I've gone past the point of putting posters on the walls. So 81, I was 13. So yeah. Yeah, that's more like it. So, I'm just hitting that, that age. So does this mean all your magazines, if they're the originals, don't have the posters or you put them back in once you took them down off your wall? Um, well, I must have put them back in because I've got Avon in my old issue one uh, with horrible blue tack grease marks yeah, yeah. and pinholes so i've obviously i've i double i belt and braced it i put him up with blue tack <laughs> then put a pin in it because you wouldn't want avon falling on you in the middle of the night uh, would no you? no <laughs> um, sulin's poster um that was just held up with luck but uh, <laughs> but yeah the, so i i got rid of him the only i'm amazed i kept issue one um, and i'm quite it made gave me a little a little sense of joy that i did actually keep it um, but I actually bought issues one to 16 um, from eBay uh, about a year or so ago. And I think I paid a, about a five or six quid, something like that, for the lot. Um, I paid more for postage right. than I did for the magazines. And they're all in absolutely pristine condition. It almost looked like they then. haven't been read. Yeah. I think they're quite expensive now. I think you're looking about like eight, nine pound really? an issue, I think. Something like that. Gee. Which... Which is about what they would be if they re-released them now, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it weird? Yeah, funnily that, enough, <laughs> that, that you would, you would, you would think I'm not paying eight quid for a single magazine from Blakeson, but if you saw one in in Smiths of a new published one, you'd go, okay. Yeah, definitely. Weird, definitely. isn't it? Very yeah. weird. Very weird. The original price is forty-five pence. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand all this. I mean, you know, I, I used to buy all the uh, Marvel UK comics, you know, and I think I, I bought all of them every week out of my pocket money. I bought my Airfix kits, you know, out of pocket money. You know, you can't afford... Well, no child with pocket money now can buy anything. No. I mean, I, I, still, I still get a few magazines. I get Doctor Who magazine, that sort of thing. A couple of modelling magazines, and Anne buys a lot of uh, crafting magazines and that. And we'll go to Smith's, and you'll pick up three or four mags, and you'll go there, and that's like 30, 40 quid. Yeah. And you go, wow. Because <laughs> it doesn't feel like wages have gone up to match that. No, they haven't. <laughs> to be fair. No, they haven't. Perhaps it's just mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comics now, you know, comics, you know, are just like pounds and pounds and pounds it's, yeah. it's incredible i don't i don't um buy comics anymore i used to i used to have quite an extensive comic collection and i i kept all like the doc two ones and uh the um the american judge dread things like that but um i i i don't buy them i can't remember the last time i sort of bought a new comic so i can't justify it you know something no. that you're going to read once and then put in a box yeah 
You know, I can't just. I I I, I agree. I'm I'm the same way with modelling. I I can't justify the cost of model kits now unless it's something i really want i bought the um we're just going off right at a tangent here but i bought the uh the, the round two model of the hawk yeah. yeah and um that was like 40 quid mm. and it's who kids aren't buying these anymore are no, they no no it's us lot yeah it's us, lot. It's, it's us generation whatever we were but we what, once us lot have gone there's not going to be an industry of comics and model kits and stuff like that i think well, I, I think what what people need to do is hang on a bit because eventually you're right. We're, we're all getting to the age where we're going to be popping our clogs at some point. And all of our collections are going to either go into landfill or they're going to be sold off really cheap mm-hmm. and there'll be a boot sale. So the time, I think you, you might start picking up because everyone, all these people with kits and books, they're all keeping them mint now in the hopes yes. that... It might be, be worth, worth something, something one day. But um, if everybody buys it and yeah. puts it away, so it will never be worth anything. That's the problem. It, exactly. That's that's the uh, the dilemma, isn't it? The only reason that things like Star Wars figures are worth, the original ones are worth anything now, is because we all played with them. Nobody we thought to keep it in yeah. the box, because yeah. why would you? Exactly. It's they were toy. toys to be played with. Yes. They were <laughs> books to be read. They were comics to be read. I mean, I can remember a time when old comics weren't worth anything because no, it was the new comic you, you wouldn't even sort of keep i mean it'd be rare you might keep a couple of issues if you liked them but you wouldn't keep i mean we you would never keep like a stack of old beanos or old no. dandies or anything no they were just disposable weren't they yeah 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 i mean i can, I can remember um cutting up you remember action comic oh i loved action yeah i loved action and i loved hook jaw and i oh, can remember yeah. i i would cut up cut hook jaw out of it and cut the little figure and then feed them in like make a slit where his mouth is and feed them in. absolutely random and they're worth a fair bit now i, I understand yeah no no they, they most definitely are mine is even worse okay we're going off on a tangent we will get back yeah. to blake seven in yeah. a minute but when i was very very small you know i i adored the batman the dc batman comic okay and um before 89 when the tim burton version came out you could still buy them up quite cheaply you know two three pound a copy and i have i've got a good run of like you know mid to uh mid 60s to early 70s batmans and detective comics okay and i bought them up and i'm very glad about that now because they they, they go for a fortune but that doesn't take away from the fact that i did have them when i was very small and what i used to do and i and i, and I wince about it now is these these batman comics um dc and marvel comics the covers were nice and glossy, weren't they? They were always glossy yeah. paper. And always better paper than yeah, the actual content. Yeah. In our kitchen, we didn't have a dining room. In our kitchen, our, our dinner table had fold-down leaves. Okay, So you folded right. it down when you're not eating. And what I used to do is I used to cut out the figures of the cover Okay, yeah, and then go underneath the table and stick them up through the gap between the leaf and the main bit of the table and make a kind of like puppet show. And yeah. I'll move them backwards and forwards. And that's what I did because that was a comic. I've read the comic. I don't need it anymore. You know, I look back that on that now and think, Christ almighty, that's like £40, £50 a comic yeah. now, you know. But uh, back then, that's what you did with comics. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was very ephemeral things. You yeah, Once you'd the read them, they're, they're of no interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right, well, let's get back on track. We're still talking comics, and we're on the uh, the comic strip in issue one. Um, now, when the monthly started, they didn't put credit boxes for who the uh, no. writers are or who the artists were or the letterer. But I know the artist. This is a very, very uh, familiar artist to me. Uh, he is an amazing artist, but he's criminally overlooked. People, yeah. you know, talk about oh. 70s comic book artists. Nobody or very rarely mentions Ian Kennedy, but he was a fantastic artist. Yeah, he was. He, he's, to me... He's up there with like Brian Bond and Mike McMahon, stuff like that. He he's his stuff is just beautiful. It's it is it's art, isn't it? It's it is art. It's, it's true art. It's yeah. true art. I mean, luckily he's. I mean, you you would you would recognise it anyway if you sins that what you recognise. Um, it's so distinctive. But luckily he signs it, doesn't he? He does, so, and he does here in Blade yeah. Seven. He's just signed Kennedy. Yeah isn't he yeah 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 i mean i mean i remember him he was a veteran of war comics um in the 70s especially especially you know battle picture library and things like that he used to do covers for that you know and he did um he did work in star lord there was a that, there was a strip oh, God, in yeah there. i remember that yeah, yeah. called time quake um who was like this dredger guy you were saying about action there was a character yeah. called, uh, a, a character in time quake who was kind of like dredger and ian kennedy did the art for that he occasionally did 2000 ad um but i remember him um mostly because i think he excels at hardware he's fantastic at yeah. hardware and i always remember him from doing robusters in star lord yes, you're right yeah and robusters had the color uh, center pages and his color art, it, it was just stunning. He was up there with like Frank Hampson's work on Dan Dare to me. He was like Chris Foss, Chris Foss, you know, the yeah. science fiction paperback artist. Just a glorious, glorious artwork he would produce. Yeah. So, so one question, and put put you on the spot here, you might not be able to answer it. So, I was looking through these, and Volume One, Issue Five, with the Dana cover, very nice Dana cover, and you could win a Philips Video Pack home computer. Yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> want it now. The comic stripping app. Now, it reminds me of the the artwork style that was in a 2000 AD story called The Kilimanjaro. Or, yes, or, yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Is it the same artist? It is the same artist. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's the same guy. Know. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't his remember name, his so. name, but yeah, he's the same guy. Yeah, yeah. It it, it was. It was a change for uh, um, Judge Dredd at the time, you know. To yes. have, I oh, think he's a European me. artist. Yeah. I think he's Spanish. Yeah, quite um, rough, but quite nice. I quite yeah. like it now. But I, at the time, you're right. It was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, from what I was look, yeah, from the I was Brian Bollands and the Ron yeah. Smiths and everything, and yeah. suddenly, yeah, I can't remember his name. I'll, I'll have to seek it out and put it on the Facebook yeah. page. But no, I mean here, you know, issue one. I mean, his Scorpio looks brilliant. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's terrific at hardware and he's pretty good with likenesses as well. Yeah, the likenesses, are, you, you can't fault him. Everyone looks like who they should. The um, they're, they're action as well strips. They're, they're, they, they sort of, they, they do action well. He does action really yeah. well. So they're not just static and, and no. locked off shots. Um, and again, because this this was the uniforms and the guns were new. This was like, oh look, you can see sort of close up images yes. of the uniforms and the guns and the, you know, it, 
is really good. I remember enjoying the comic strips as well. It's a I, shame season four didn't use the scripts. I, I, I like looking at them, but you know, in 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 the strips here, it is a case of nice art, shame about yeah. the script, isn't it? I mean, they fell into the well. It's not a trap, but they did the thing that you know um, happened in Doctor Who. It happened in Star Trek. When you're doing a uh, when you're writing a comic strip uh, on a TV show, you can do things far, far more ambitious than the TV show could do. You know, if any of these stories in this monthly was actually a script for Blake Seven, I mean, the robot that we're going to talk about in a minute in this thing, can you imagine if this was actually shown by the BBC? Yeah, you, you, you wouldn't have you a would... robot like that. You would have, like, the security robot or something like yeah. that, wouldn't you? There's there's one strip, I can't remember which one, where um, Avon rescues someone that's being bitten in half by a dinosaur or a lake creature. Yeah. And I thought, if that was, yeah, if that was on the show... Yeah. That would be someone tumbling down a very small incline yeah, yeah, and yeah, being no, menaced yeah. by a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, it's tube. like a big swamp creature, but yeah, uh, yeah no, all we got was that um, uh, snake creature in rescue. That's the only animal we ever yeah, saw. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's uh, yeah, this the the robot in this is is sort of very call me Kenneth style, isn't he? He the, is, and again, very robusters as well. Yes, you know, yeah. you could see this in robusters, but yeah, it's a tale of Serverland. She's got hold on some of Ensor's old projects, including this giant robot. Yeah. Um, um, but but the rest of it, I mean, we're back to... Uh, we haven't even covered it on this show yet, have we? Um, uh, uh, Ultra World, where no. Villa teaches Orac riddles. Yeah. Yeah, he... Um, he it's, it's that horrendous uh, out logic in or out they used to do on star trek a fair bit didn't they kirkwood out yeah, logic confuse a computer. a computer yeah confuse yeah. a computer and this this is done by yeah villa villa's cracker level jokes and anagrams and yeah. that. it's just it's, it's horrible it is horrible and you know you said earlier about you know it, it seems a bit you know uh rushed uh, the production of this magazine and it's here in the comic strip because did you notice that uh, some of the characters are speaking lines um that aren't meant for them yeah i i noticed that that it's they they've when they've done the speech bubbles they're not going to the right people no on page three of this first story yeah. serverlan is swapped with a mutoid and on page five tarrant is swapped with aurac <laughs> But it's not a bad story. I I, no. I quite enjoy it. Um, I like the fact that you see the Scorpio open its cargo doors and um, and take on board the other spaceship. That's pretty nice. Something yeah. we never saw in the uh, show. Yeah, you see it. I mean, it does. Like the space battle in this issue one is, you know, it, it's not just pea bulbs or blobs of colour. It looks really good. Weirdly in... In this though, that it's like the first because the comic strips were generally cut into two parts, and the first part is printed really nicely that it's like shaded and it's obviously you know it's inked well, and then the second part is printed as if it's been converted to monotone, yeah, and it looks horrendous. Mm. And you think why why have you done that? Again, the feeling that it's rushed. It is, it is. But uh, also in this tale, we've got mutoids, which is always good yeah. to see. Although they've got that bob cut, haven't they, from the yeah. uh, from series four? Um, well, I think that's what we should say. Everything in this is season four, it isn't is. it? It's, it is. Yeah. I don't think we even get a mention of the previous seasons until about issue six or so. Is it? We get. Well, no. I mean, all we get as an acknowledgement that there was anything before season four is you get one small black and white photo right at the beginning of the 
issue, don't you? Where you do yes. see Blake and the crew. Okay, but everything. Yeah, I, wonder, it... I wonder if that was a um, a licensing or just they thought people wouldn't be interested. It might be that they didn't have access to too many yeah. photos at the time. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But another thing that uh, um, I thought is Ian Kennedy is really good at drawing spaceships, but he doesn't draw any pursuit ships. The, none of the Federation ships throughout the whole run of this uh, magazine ever, ever showed you a pursuit ship. Yeah, that's interesting. I never really noticed that. I noticed we get the sort of the Cylon-shaped, Cylon-type craft. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, do you know what? I that never twigged. No, it, it's generic spacecraft, and uh, yeah, not in fitting with what we've seen regarding Federation spacecraft at all. Um, but it's not a bad story. I mean, some of the some of the um, the dialogue is a bit duff. Yeah. Um, my my favourite one in it is uh, Avon, where he says, uh, "By the stars, that robotoid's a fearsome creature." Which I, I can imagine Paul Darrow can delivering. You? Can yeah. you? No, I can't. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, used to find this in comic strips, didn't they? Because there was that sort of weird idea that although it's a visual medium, they also would make it, people were far too verbose. So characters that didn't say a lot would suddenly yeah. you know, narrate everything they're doing as if they thought the artwork wasn't strong enough to to convey the story well, maybe which that's, is definitely may, not the case maybe but maybe that well when they wrote it they didn't know who the artist yeah. was going to be true, so yeah. it, it could be in which case editorial should have kicked in and said oh we don't need all this the artwork's telling the story you don't need all of this you it know? does also beg the question who's who's creating this because the feeling i've got from the magazine is that it's obviously they're obviously either fans of the show or they're quite knowledgeable there's not there don't seem to be too many mistakes in it other than Sulin coming from earth but was she did she was she born on well we ne- we, we, we will never know. know um but at what point would someone have not said avon wouldn't say that cut that line yeah or is it the fact that the comic strip had to be done very very early before the rest of the magazine was done because i'm presuming a comic strip would have took taken yeah, that longer. Would have taken time wouldn't it yeah but you it would be yeah, nice to knock up an article pretty quickly, but you can't knock up a comic strip very quickly. I wouldn't have thought. I guess Marvel couldn't afford it, but it would have been nice if they could have got like Chris Boucher on to just proofread yeah. scripts and things like that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, or, uh, I mean, um, John Nathan Turner um, on Doc, when he was a producer of Doctor Who, and he had a sort of final say on most of the merchandise, but it didn't stop a load of old crap being released. <laughs> this is very true. This is very true. Well, let, we'll move forward, okay? We're going to move forward to issue two. And, uh, yeah, I dug all these out for research for this episode, and issue two has got the bloody space rats on the cover. I've yeah, only I, just recovered it, from it from last week. In my notes uh, for issue two, it says, Space rats! Exclamation oh, mark. No. <laughs> and in colour as well. But they were huge, weren't they? Oh, look at their pink helmets. <laughs> and inside, you've got a nice four page article on the stuntmen yeah. of Blake Seven, but they're focused on the space rat story. So yes. uh, immediately I'm turned off. Um, Ian Kennedy, he's still on the comic strip. Um, but oh my goodness, that was hard to read. <laughs> It, it's a it, tough one, isn't it? This it's one? tosh. Villa's yeah. been substituted by an android built by somebody called Wogan. Do you think that's a, like an in-joke? Yes, that he was called I, Wogan. I would, I would guarantee that's an in-joke. Yeah, and Avon shoots this 
Android Villa in the face because yep. Villa refused a drink. Yeah. So he and, just shoots him in the yeah. face. So so it's a good job Villa like perhaps he, he wasn't feeling well that day. Avon's going to shoot you in the face yeah. if you don't yeah, behave yeah, yeah. exactly how he thinks. Drink or um, die. Yeah. I like um that the robotic villa is uh, dying exclamation is <laughs> as robots are want to do oh see i reading that and looking at that <laughs> yeah. right i've i've got a mental image of if you did do this story in the show you would have an avalon style yes. robotic well, in the head I'm just, just looking at the next panel and it's taron and he says Good, good grief. Wires and things. That's not Villa. <laughs> well, you're quick, ain't you, Taron? You're quick. Oh, they know him. They know him. Oh, that's accurate. Yeah, they know him. All right. Well, let's go to issue three. And uh, that's the one that we were just talking about there. That is uh, set on, on Zenon with this, like, swamp creature which comes out. Yes. and oh, uh, yes. Yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot bigger than that snake thing that we ever saw. And uh, Ian Kennedy is still on it. And he draws a pretty good Renegade Federation pilot. You know, he's got he's got the uniform and everything spot on, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I do like his artwork. I mean, he, he captures um, Avon uh, really well. Villa, not so much. But, yeah, this um, the pilot in this always reminds me uh, visually of... Um, the guy that used to be in Time Tunnel, wearing the polo neck. I can't think of his name. Oh, yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was watching him today. He was a, I, I didn't even remember. He was a bad guy in Land of the Giants. Oh. I, I was watching the Land of the Giants this morning. And yeah, he was a bad guy in that. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. He does look a bit like that, yeah. yeah. We uh, also see um, in, in the shot on page 14, we see where the uh, Scorpio's guns are. I don't know how accurate that is. Yeah, well, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. All right. Have you got anything more to say about issue three? Um, no, in in my notes, it must have been a pretty dull issue because in it my was. notes, I've got nothing. No. Nothing. Other, I mean, Tarrant's on the front. Looking, <laughs> I mean, he's in a heroic pose with his legs akimbo. Yeah, start as you mean to go on. Issue yeah. four, have you got anything? I haven't got anything for issue Let's four. Issue four, I've got... Uh, oh, there's a lovely making of the Scorpio model article oh, yes. in there. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But... And, the poster that all kids at the time wanted uh, on the back page, which is Stratford Johns as Belkov. <laughs> there's I've worse. Many a, many a kid put that up on their wall. There's, didn't they? there's, there's worse next issue. Um, no, what you say about the Scorpio there, yeah, that was good, but what you were saying earlier, you know, the the printing quality was terrible. Oh, if that was yeah. decent paper, that would have been brilliant. Even in, in black and white, that would have been brilliant. But it's just so, you know, just there. Um, you can't a, really see anything. Yeah. No, there's also uh, in issue uh, four, you get a poster that I remember very well uh, from my early teenage years, which is of the uh, the gorgeous Jacqueline Pierce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she appears uh, a couple of times. This isn't yes. her only appearance. Um, right, issue five. By then, it had been announced in the press that the show was finishing, but it hadn't been mentioned in the strip yet. In sorry, in the magazine. In the yet. magazine, no. Um, um, yeah, presumably it, because it was um, it would have been knocked up before. Yes. Yeah. 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 There was quite a big lead-in time, wasn't there, to things? Um, yeah. And, and it's this issue, the one you were talking about, with that uh, unknown artist yes. um, on art duties. 
apparently Ian Kennedy had had a, a, a road accident. He had had a car accident, oh, yeah. which which put him out of action for a little while. So, so this what, guy's was a it substitute. planned that he was going to do? Yeah, Ian was he, he originally oh, was going to do the whole run, and that would have been glorious. I'll tell you what would have been even more glorious is if he had done it, if there had been a graphic novel oh. collecting them all together. That would yeah. have been lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah. Perhaps we should petition for a graphic novel. I'll tell you what I would like is an Ian Kennedy collection of, yeah. you know, his his Robusters, his Judge Dreads, his, you know, War Comics and the Blake Sevens. That would have been nice. Yeah. Yeah. But no, this one, I mean, this is a duff story with quite duff art where you've got yeah. cavemen uh, who get into this is, uh, I could see this in season four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you don't need much money for the costumes, do you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, interestingly, they could have just they could have just said these were the homics, couldn't they? And you could have actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. sort of worked. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've just degenerated even more since that guy, you know, who was overseeing the technology, um, you know, who Avon accidentally shot. Um, yeah, they they just you degenerated down into caveman level. You could have, yeah. Yeah, you do. You just looking through it and. Um, uh, in the scrapbook section, you do actually get mention of Gareth Thomas's death scene and a shot from Blake. So ah. it must have just yeah. built it in. All right. Okay. Oh, I hadn't noticed that. All right. You say about the back cover pinup last issue. This this yes. issue. We've got Betty Marsden. Yeah. How many people uh, put Betty Marsden up on their wall? Uh, probably not even Betty Marsden's husband. Yeah. Wow. Uh. But, uh, oh, I'm just being bullied out of my chair by the cat. Is the cat back? Okay. She's back. Okay. She heard us talking about Betty Marsden. Got excited. I think think your cat is like the third co-host of this show. I think, yeah, I think she should be because she's often got very perceptive views on uh, Blake (laughs) Seven. She's not not a Tarrant fan. (laughs) You could put the Tarrant pin up down in her litter tray and she would (laughs) do something on that, wouldn't she? Yeah. I yeah. think that's an I if you want to keep your cat out of a certain room, just put a, a <laughs> poster tower on, on the, the door. Hey, there's a thing a that we could do. I might, yeah. I might actually take mine out and put him in strategic places. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If you don't want fly tipping or anything, put up a picture of Tarrant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Things changed a bit in issue six. Um, quite a monumental uh, issue. Paul Darrow started writing. Uh, an exclusive piece each month, and he he did go quite in depth, didn't he? He he after a couple of yeah, like they're... you know dummy ones, he started going from start to finish, didn't he? Yeah, they're um. I wonder if this is what sort of got him into uh, thinking. I uh, you know I I'm going to write. write. Yeah, I'm going to write that Avon a terrible aspect book. Yeah, the terrible Which book. Have... Oh, awful, awful book. <laughs> But no, these were quite entertaining. I remember when he actually started talking about season one because, yeah. again, there were no making of books or anything yeah. like that at the time. So this was our first real insight into the making of the seasons that had come before. Yeah, I mean, it's not very in-depth, though, is it? Because it's, a, I mean, his entire input. Episode one, The Way Back, introduce you to Jenna and Villa and, of course, Blake. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. But as as that series went on, he did go yeah. more in depth. He you know? did, yeah. yeah. You got some yeah. nice little, almost like production diarist style of. Yeah, which is what we wanted. Yeah. This is what I wanted from the get go with yeah. this magazine. I really did. Um, Ian Kennedy is back on art duties, and uh, it's not a bad story. It's pretty good. It's an Avon romance story that yeah. ends with him losing as she dies yet again. Yeah, ne- don't, don't be a girlfriend of Avon. No, 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 no. All, no. You, all you people that 
that like Avon and Lust after him, you're going to get a dagger in the heart from Serverland. Yeah. And this is issue six, right? We're only six issues yep. in, okay, of a 23-issue uh, run of a magazine. And on the cover, we get when death reached out. At this point, they are acknowledging that Blake is back and Blake is dead and the series is over. It's only issue six, and they're already yeah. announcing that the show is over. Yeah, they... Um... I, w- I would love to know what the long-term plan was for this. I mean, it could be because there's, there's, I mean, British magazine publishing is fascinating in itself. I mean, they they would launch a title with the knowledge that each copy would sell uh, less and less and less. Yeah. And and they they have. I I think I may be wrong because it's been a long time since I've sort of um, gone into this. But for things like uh you know uh the weekly kids comics like star lord they they estimated they they would the way that they calculated sales they had to launch a new title mm-hmm. and it would last 36 issues and then you would either you would merge incorporate it. yeah you would merge it into another title and yep. then you would have to release something new and i wonder if this is i know that wasn't marvel that was ipc and that was their business model but i yep. wonder if this is something that marvel was also so whether they knew at the beginning that there was a, a finite number for this. Interestingly, it never merged with Doctor Who. No, no. and I, I, I'm glad it didn't. I don't no, think I'm that would have worked. Yeah. But the thing is about you know Doctor Who Monthly, I mean, when the programme went off air for a very long time, they kept going. Yes, um, I mean, it is the, the most, uh, the, the, the best-selling magazine devoted to a television program ever yes at the moment um and that yeah they used to they used to weirdly say that when doctor was off the air they would that it wouldn't drop in copies sold no no and that 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 is amazing i mean they didn't know that it eventually it would come back and i remember you know i i I was collecting it at the time and you know um they would focus on the uh the book the novels the yeah. you know the audio ones because that's all there was and retrospectively looking back at the history of the show and i found that fascinating because you know that's what i was interested in i want to know about you know how they made a patrick Troughton story or yep. william hartnell you know yeah but that... to me i yeah i preferred the, the runs of magazines when it wasn't on air i think yeah. it, it became it became very inventive yeah um and it, again it's got very very lazy at the moment do you think though uh, that maybe they that, that there was a thought that maybe we can continue even though there is no new blake seven yeah i i think they they perhaps thought that would be the case but i it's it's different to doctor who isn't it really mm. it's so i yeah it'd be interesting again it'd be very interesting to um to be in on these magazines, uh, these meetings when these this sort of stuff's discussed. Yeah, was it was it always deemed that you've got X amount of time? Yeah. Then it's gone. Yeah. Or... Was it finite or what? Yeah. 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 But here we are. We're in issue six, and yeah, um, that's the status quo there. When we go on to issue seven, um, that's an issue I remember liking a lot because it focused on the miniature work. And oh, you're... I thought you were going to say because it's got a uh, uh, half-dead injured talent on the front. <laughs> that as well, yeah. Is but... that subconscious? Yes. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> no, I, I remember reading this because, you know, 
me being into you know model work and special effects and you've got to talk with Jim Francis the visual effects designer and you do get to see miniature work but it's just a shame the photos were just so poorly reproduced Um, also in that issue you got the letters page it started uh, printing outraged letters from people and uh, and we get more going over the very last episode including an interview with Gareth Thomas and uh, he's also the centre page poster in this one, isn't he? In his bounty hunter yeah. guys. Uh, just to shame the back page poster is uh, cancer. Again, uh, again, who would stick that on the wall? The back page poster. It's um, Zukon's daughter, isn't it? Oh, is it Zukon's daughter? I yeah. thought I thought it was cancer. No, no, it's um, from the, oh, oh, right. the episode called Warlord. Warlord. Terrible episode. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I always lump them two together because they've just yeah dreadful. They're, both, they're both forgettable <laughs> and dreadfully acted all right sorry about that okay no it won't cancer it was yeah uh and she fancied tarrant that's something else that yeah was wrong about her yeah yeah uh issue eight um again i remember really liking because that looked at the mechanics of crashing the scorpio um again yeah. but the reproduction I, I can remember this good. i can remember going into Smith's and picking this one up and thinking the cover was awful at the time. Mm-hmm. The, it's just like a shot of that horrendous um, shuttle thing that they're in and it's, yeah. it's laid off to one side. Yeah. And I think that, that annoyed me even back then. Yeah, it's just lazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I mean, yeah, a centre page pull out of Slave. Oh, wow, yeah, I mean... People like slave, bit of slave action. <laughs> it's a uh, horribly tinted as well, isn't it? It's got yeah, a weird yeah. sort of piss yellow yeah. stain to it. Which... Yeah. Um, issue nine is a momentous issue because uh, not only do we have a look at the weapons of Blake Seven, it includes you know photos from the first three seasons. Blake yeah. and everything is in there. First time ever. We had to wait till issue nine to get it, but we did. Yeah, we finally get acknowledgement of uh, of previous Somebody deeds. Somebody called Blake. <laughs> yeah, someone called Blake in a magazine called Blake 7. The other momentous, well, two other momentous things with this issue is one that the masthead on the front changes for the worse. Mm. It becomes, it has that weird liney thing on it. And also um, a sublime Steve Dillon artwork. Here he comes. Uh, Here's Steve Dillon. I yes. love Steve Dillon's I've artwork. I've always loved Steve Dillon yeah. I, from the get-go. I mean, I... I'm always annoyed by Steve Dillon in the the very first work he ever did professionally um, I bought and it was in Hulk comic a Marvel UK thing and he did the most sublime fantastic work on that and he was 18 when he did that (laughs) and it's like Get. I hate you, you know. Yeah. No, he's brilliant. I love Steve Dillon. I always have done. It's such a shame that he's gone. You know, he he, yeah. he died a few years ago. Um, but here there is a glo- on on page three of the strip. There's a glorious shot of Sue Lin mm. <laughs> peering out from behind a rock. Again, these need collecting because Steve yeah. Steve Dillon. I mean, at this point, he was riding high on a creative wave. I mean, he was doing. Judge Dredd yep. over in 2000 AD. He was doing Laser Eraser and Press Button in Warrior, which I adored. Um, and also for Marvel, uh, in Doctor Who, he was doing Absalom Dak Dalek Killer, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he also he was doing a couple of the uh, main strips as well. Like I mean, especially in this sort of era would have been... Um, oh, there's one, it's Tom Baker's final 
season and it's one where it's a a, a, a tram system that's yeah i remember that one descended to like uh mad max 2 levels yeah 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 um uh, again absolutely gorgeous what happened to all this artwork do you think it still exists i don't i've never seen it for sale um you know i'm i'm on comic art fans um website and uh, i've never ever seen it for sale i mean oh can you imagine a page of this coming up i'd love it i'd love it yeah and also i mean it's a momentous issue because at this point um we also get uh the credits on the comic strip so not only do yes, we know finally it, yeah, yeah we don't need to know that that's steve dylan but we know who's written it and it's a guy by the name of ken armstrong and he seemed to have been the one-man band of this magazine not only does he write these comic strips he writes the articles and he, he was also the guy that did the set visits and he was the photographer at the oh, set right. visits you see now so he's the fan that probably yeah. pushed this yeah i guess so now while in the marvel offices yeah. yeah but just because he's written this story doesn't mean he wrote any of the previous ones no. we have no way of knowing but from now on yes he is the writer so he's the writer of the comic he's the writer of the articles he's the photographer for the magazine as i say a one-man band yeah i mean hats off to him yeah and this story i mean it's very much um you know a a, a warlord type story yes. isn't it where avon gathers together all these uh, um you know all these leaders okay and you've got this uh, this zucan type called uh, valcac okay and uh, fantastic art by steve dillon he does a very good serverlan as well yeah. as Sulin. Um and he does a decent trooper but of course this is season 4 so yes, they haven't got the no rings headband. around the helmets you know yeah. headbands there you go yeah yeah so i mean this is fantastic i mean yeah i'd love to own a page of artwork from this you know yeah. I, he does a brilliant avon all of them are excellent yeah yeah, yeah. So if anyone listening has some of his artwork uh, and wants to give it away yeah give it to us please yeah we will look <laughs> after it and and we'll probably mention you perhaps Yes. some point yes yeah um, um other, the other thing i love about I've, and this is purely because i've got these magazines open in front of me as we're recording and i'm looking at the classified ads and they're fascinating there's do you remember john fitton books and magazines yes yeah yeah he's got an ad in there and there's one guy and he i'd, I'd love it if he was actually listening because let me know if you ever accomplish this he says star trek fans i'm trying to obtain every episode on videotape if you have any and wish to sell swap or lend Please contact Andrew Paul. I wonder if he ever accomplished his... Andrew, are you out there? Yeah, let us know. (laughs) I worry. I worry that you you didn't get to see all those episodes. (laughs) All right, okay. Well, let's go on to the next one, uh, issue 10. Uh, No, Steve Dillon. Um, He only did one issue. We've got Jerry Paris. And I know the name Jerry Paris. He he did a lot of stuff. And uh, he's got a nice American style to him um but he's doing the script and the art and he's carrying on this story of this valcac guy okay uh but he's no steve dylan so i i I think it was a bit of a disappointment i remember val i love in valcac's gun he had a weirdly shaped barreled gun very much like strontium dog's gun Mm, okay i I remember that i was just looking through it and it just struck me again interestingly as well we got liberator on the front cover Mm. Yeah, and centre page oh. as well. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, what a nice shot. Yeah, beautiful shot. Actually, good good reference why shot. Can, why, yeah, why couldn't they all be like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we've got more grieving on the uh, letters page as well. Oh. Yeah. Anyone, have you ever looked through to see if there's any uh, famous people that 
No, no. Maybe I should. Yeah, it might be something. Yeah, if that you're went out on. there and you've been published yeah. in Blake Seven Monthly, yes, let us know. Yeah. Um, if your name is Ross Schlate, Cheeseden. <laughs> yes. Uh, the back cover poster has gone this this time. It's replaced yes. by an advert for a Star Wars digital watch. A snipper seems... eight pounds ninety five. That seems expensive for a bog standard cheap yeah, watch. Yeah, it it didn't do anything, did it? No, absolutely nothing happening on that watch. Digital watches had been out for quite a while. Yeah, at this point, at this point they were really thought of as a, a really cool thing, though, weren't they? Yeah, Still. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, issue eleven in the scrapbook section of issue eleven, we get those firefighters from Killer. A nice clear photo. Oh, do we want a nice clear photo? Well, yeah, I think I, I I was looking for one actually for when we do the Doctor Belfryer episode, and uh, I'm just going to scan this one. I don't need anything off the internet. Uh, I don't know. Does that sound dodgy? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely shot of the Scorpio there. Yeah, what in the centre pages? Yeah. Did, showing, did, yeah, showing did you see the Tamiya this... tank reel? Yeah, it's what I was just thinking because that's the only bit that's in bloody focus. Yeah, the only bit that's in focus is the Tamiya yeah. tank grill. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Um, Steve Dillon is back on art yes. on this one, ah. and uh, it's it's Avon losing yet another love. He doesn't do well, does he? Poor fellas. No wonder he went off the deep end. <laughs> Issue twelve. I'm going to use a, a, a something for it for uh, when. Um, uh, we do the Dr. Plaxton when that comes out because uh, it's a centre-page poster of the Blue Crate. Oh, we talking about and who, who wouldn't want a centre-page poster of a Blue, of the Blue Crate. Crate? Yeah, yeah. Do you get to see the Mavellan gun? Yeah, there yeah, it is. There it is. Yep. There it is. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, yep. look at that engine. That is... It's a piece <laughs> of old pipe. That's shocking. No, it sums it up. It sums That's up true, season yeah. four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, issue 13... Viva Vendetta artist David Lloyd does the art. Um, yeah, I, I I love me a bit of David Lloyd as well. I have to say, it's not his best work. Here. I don't think it, it suits it. I, do, I don't think it suits yeah. the strip at all. Yeah, and it's about this point that my I can remember my interest started to drop off. As, you know, what? Uh, I I think mine would have been about the same. Yeah, the strip was just so so. The articles just weren't you know doing it for me. And the only thing of note really was these uh, these photos in the center pages and on the cover you know yeah we in this uh, issue 13 they go for that weird thing again of a an artwork back page inside poster by someone called jeff senior mm. um and it's it's uh, probably the only notable thing about it is tarrant is very muscular and saving a young lady <laughs> hanging off the side of a building uh. I mean, yeah, I mean, each issue was becoming more and more forgettable, Yeah. you know. Uh, apart from um, issue 19, which had the London on the cover, and also a decent interview with David Jackson. It actually goes in, oh, right. in depth and everything, you know. I, I, I take your word for that, because that, at that point, at 16, my copy's run out. All right, yeah. No, issue 19's got a nice interview with David Jackson. Issue 20 had uh, Jan Chappelle, you know. Oh, excellent. So, yeah, yeah, you know, as I say, you know, my interest just dropped off. And my it's just a shame about this magazine, you know, that it focused so much on season four. If if they'd actually, say, maybe done a, a half of each issue devoted to season four and more like Doctor Who Monthly did, look back 
at previous you know seasons and stories that would have been fantastic yeah can you yeah can you imagine like a a, a three or four page um rundown of an old story and then like a making our facts a bit like doctor who did with the uh they used to take a story and then do the making of tell the story do the making of it any interesting facts and um that i love that in doctor who uh, magazine and it would have been amazing if they'd have done that here yeah i mean i don't know about you but i'm i'm bit by bit getting the uh, doctor who history of books you know those things which basically collect all the doctor who magazine things into a hardback yeah i they're really good yeah, I I got a few issues, but I for for time uh, for space and money reasons, I'm not collecting them all. But if it's no, I'm story, just cherry picking great. them. But yeah. it is you're you're absolutely right. It's those bits of the magazine that I always thought were the best bits yeah. collected together. Yeah. Um, and it's I I much prefer the making of something than like say color pullouts or yeah and mazes photo shoot yeah. Yeah. Uh, mazes and I mean the car the the comic strips in Blake Seven, like you say, if they did a collector's edition, I would buy it. So I, would I. Yeah. I think they're really good and they're worth sort uh, seeking out for that, but they're not really worth seeking out for anything other than their either nostalgia value or you're a completist. Mm. Mm. They're not really going to tell you anything new, are they? No, no. We should also mention, I mean, you know, not only did you have this uh, run of the monthlies, but you had two specials you had a summer yes. special and a winter special but they they were basically uh best ofs weren't they they were collections yeah. of previous articles again it's just a uh a, a money saving thing there was nothing new produced for either of those two no it was a, it was a bit of a tradition as well weren't it that summer and winter specials the doc two magazine was very much it was reprints um up till they obviously realized that they probably didn't sell very well yeah because the again that it's a different market than a normal magazine for, for both Doctor Who and Blake Seven in that the same people that are buying the summer special are going to be your regular viewers. You're not going to hook anyone new in no, with it. No. Um, so reprinting stuff is a, a fairly pointless exercise. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, are you aware, before we finish this, are you aware of the the dummy copy of the magazine that was put out? No, I I know there's a um, Dead Skin did a reprint, didn't he, of the Doctor Who weekly dummy issue? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a, I want to say a couple of years back, but it might be more recent than that. No, it was um, this year. It was this, was year. this year. Yeah. Um, so I, I yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me that they did a Blake Seven version, but I've never seen it or or heard about it. I've, I will send it to you later, and I will uh, put it on Facebook when this episode comes out. But yeah, it, it was the done thing that they put together a dummy issue one, okay, of magazines to just show round editorial and the publishers, blah, blah, blah. And a mock-up, if you like, of what it's going to be like. And yeah, you mentioned there, Des Skin. Des Skin, of course, you know, he, he headed um marvel uk for a very long time he was the guy who came up and created starburst magazine and this year he's actually uh gone back to you know work that he had done and he did a limited edition uh release of the initial doctor who weekly issue one the dummy copy okay and i've got that that's really good and he's just recently done the very first no the very last um, issue that never actually came out of uh, his Hammer House of Horror magazine. 
Okay. Oh yes, yeah, I saw an ad. Yeah, that. yeah. So yeah, he's done that. I would love it if somebody did the same thing for the Blake Seven issue one dummy yeah. that was created because the only thing that survives of this issue i mean it might have had villas gags in it it might have had that maze in it but it had a comic strip by ian kennedy okay which obviously was produced before they knew about season four and what was going to happen in season four and i'll send this to you later because the only thing that i know of that exists is one page of ian, ian kennedy artwork where uh, the survivors of the Liberator, I guess they must have been on the Scorpio because they're in a spaceship. So, okay, maybe they knew about the Scorpio, but they find the Liberator, okay? They find the remains of the Liberator, and at the front of the Liberator, merged with the Liberator, is Servalan, right? Servalan is actually merged. She has teleported and, and become a bit like Brundlefly at the end of the fly. She has merged into the machinery of the Liberator and she is alive in the vacuum of space as part of the Liberator. Yeah, I, I can see why they probably didn't publish that one then. That sounds a bit weird. Although I quite like the idea of a Moya-style ship travelling about and it's Servalan just getting narky with everyone. I, where would they have gone with it? I, I, I don't know. Presumably That's... in that story, you know, they destroy the Liberator or something and Servalan finally, but she comes back in the show. So maybe they that, that's why they scrapped it. It's like, oh, well, we can't yeah. do this because she's now this character called Sleer. I don't know. But was was it all drawn up? It wasn't just like cheap line drawing. It was no, presumably it, all no, drawn up. No, no, no. I'll, I'll send it to you shortly. Yeah. It's proper finished, finished artwork. And where is the rest of it? Because that's like one page. Yeah. Where is I wonder the... how it ended. I don't know. Maybe Ian... I don't know if Ian Kennedy is still alive, but if he's not, if his estate still has it, you know? Yeah. But I would love if somebody did a Des skin and, and, and produced this dummy mock-up of issue one. I'm surprised Big Finish haven't done a version of that story. Mm. Yeah, that's another idea. If the script still survives... Yeah. You know, you could do an Elseworlds type, you know, alternative yeah. uh, version well, could, of it. You could fit in. You could have them finding a way of uh, getting, using the teleport on to get them out, to get her off of that. Mm. And then she said, yeah, you could fit in. I, you could you could write that in. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's it. That, that That's really all I've got to say about the monthlies. Um, have you got anything else more to say? No, I... It's a weird, a weird little memento of a, a time when Blake Seven was sort of popular enough to to keep a magazine going. Hmm. I'd I'd love to know the the sales figures as to what you know how this sold compared to Doctor Who magazine. I imagine not as well. No, we need a behind the scenes like you know yeah. article. We need yeah, we need someone that worked for Marvel at the time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's worth investigating, trying yeah. to check out who was editor and see if they're around on social media and see if they... That would be nice if yeah. they could do a little interview for the show. Oh, That'd I, be good. Yeah. I'll have to look into that. All right. Okay. Well, that's that's the special over. Um, but, um, of course, this week we saw the shocking passing of Jacqueline Pierce. Yeah, it was it was a shock to everyone, I think. I've, I mean... <laughs> We, I think we said recently, didn't we, that the the, the actors are getting older, mm. uh, and we will start losing a lot of them. 
uh, um, possibly, uh, or you know, main people. But it was, I think this one was a shock to everyone because she she always seems so vital and alive. Mm. And it's it's nice that that she has had that impact that people are taking it more than just the death of another actress. Yes, very much. I think so. it does mean a lot to a lot of people. I'm sure, like you, my my you know feed on you know Instagram, Facebook, everywhere, oh, you know, yeah. was just chock full for days and days and days. And what a great testament to the lady! Yeah, it, 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 that was all that was on there. Which, yeah, it it says a lot about her. I think that she had that much impact on so many people. Yeah, I mean, I I, I said on on various places, you know, that uh, um, it affected me quite badly. I I wasn't aware that she was that ill, and um, no. apparently, you know, she was um, uh, keeping it quiet. Um, but uh, no, it, it 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 hit me very hard, and um, and I I was thinking, well, why why is this hit me hard? It was like you know, a member of my family had died and everything, and I think I think. For me, it's when the show started in that January of 78, I was in my last year of school, um, which was a rotten time. I hated school and I hated the end of school and all the exams. And then after that, I went to college, which I hated. Um, and I was very unhappy and um, was having a pretty miserable time. And, and so I, I would sort... I saw escaping, you know, comics and books, and especially this show. This show became very important to me. It was something I channeled an awful lot of, you know, uh, attention to. And and as I've said time and time again, I've I've listened to the audios over and over again. And uh, you know, it was a very special show, and the characters became very special. So when somebody, you know, just as outright fabulous as uh, Jacqueline Pierce uh, uh, dies, you know, I I felt it very very uh, greatly. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's true. I think she, she had such an impact on on our lives. Um, she was unique. I think definitely a unique person. Um, but I think it's also, she was quite accessible as a as one of the stars of this, wasn't she? That you could, it 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 wasn't that difficult to go to a convention to meet her, and you would never get just the sign sign 10 quid bugger off you always got probably an outrageously dirty story i certainly got one (laughs) yeah Uh, and it was just lovely i I think she she loved the fans the fans loved her we were her Um, darlings weren't we and she would say so (laughs) yeah i think the the only other time i can i can think that uh an actor dying has sort of made me pause so much uh, was when John Pertwee went mm. um, because he was sort of he was my first doctor, um, and yeah, it. I think they do actors do have a a, a huge impact in people's lives. Mm. I don't think it can be you know I don't think it should be underestimated. Um, but yeah, I, I I also think you're right that she kept the illness quiet. Mm. Fair play to her, um, and she was always such an alive person. I mean, you see, you meet. I mean, it, this sounds awful, but you you meet some stars of yesteryear and your thought is oh it won't be long won't be long before they're gone Mm. but she she didn't seem her age no not at at all all. not at all i mean when when i i met her you know i mean they say you should never meet your heroes but she was exactly what i was hoping she would be she she was the jacqueline that i had seen on swap shop you know this eccentric yes full of life you know uh happy laughing free spirit 
and that's exactly who I met. You know, so that was a big day when I met her. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, I think it's a testament to her that she did have that impact on you. Mm. That mm. you know, yeah. it, it 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 does. You get to that. I think, especially as you get older and the, the shows you like get further away in time, that you sort of almost become blasé when people pass on mm. that were in your shows. Yeah, we've um, seen so many go, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just a sad. I mean, I she she will, yeah, she will be missed. I think, and that's, Very much usually so. that's a cliche, but I don't think it, I think that's true in this case. I feel sorry for anybody if if they do, you know, redo, recast Blake Seven. They are massive boots to fill, are they not? I don't. I think if they do bring Blake Seven back, yeah, they they would either go with completely different villains, or they might even do the old Silverlands now a man mm. type. Yeah, because then you won't have a comparison, will you? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be the the actor mm-hmm. that follows. Yeah. Um. I mean, sometime in the future, we're going to do a, an episode on Serland, yes. but I, I wanted to mark it now. Um. And I asked you during the week if you could have a think of you know what would be your if you had to choose one because yeah, blimey, there's many to choose from. If you could choose. A, a your favourite Serverland moment? Have you been able to come up with one? I think that I couldn't come up with one. I could come. I could come up with two. Okay. And one is the when we first see her in Seek, Locate, Destroy. Any damage to the Federation is attributed to Blake. The smallest incident is exaggerated out of all proportion until it becomes a major event. Blake is becoming a legend. His name is a rallying call for malcontents of all persuasions. He must be stopped. Gentlemen, I share the President's grave concern, and I am aware of the danger should Blake become a legend. But let us keep this matter in its correct perspective. It is true that Blake has command of a superb space vehicle, but he is just a man backed by a handful of criminals, and that is all. He is not invulnerable, nor is he superhuman. He is just a man who has been extremely lucky to evade capture so far. With respect, Supreme Commander, we are aware of the facts. They are simply that with all the resources that the Federation can call upon, this one vulnerable, lucky man is still free to cause havoc. You have some criticism of my handling of this matter, Secretary Rontaine? Not at all. I hoped merely to convey the concern shown by the president when he briefed me for this visit. It would be very helpful to all of us if we knew if you could indicate what action you will now be taking against me. Very well, Councillor Berkow. You may tell the president that I am appointing a space commander to take absolute control of this matter. He will be exclusively concerned to seek, locate, and destroy Blake. Oh, excellent. Excellent. May we know the officer's name? Yes, you may. Space Commander Travis. I understood that Travis had been suspended from duty, pending an inquiry into the massacre of the civilians on the planet Oros. And I have satisfied myself that Travis acted correctly in this matter. 
The civilian deaths on Oros were unavoidable. Um, there are other incidents on his record, um, unfortunate incidents. He has caused the administration some political embarrassment in the past. Uh, in dealing with even minor insurrections, he has been uh, overzealous. Oh, don't be afraid of the word, Secretary. Ruthless. Committed. He does his duty as he sees it, and he sees it clearly. He has no time for the dirty grey areas of your politics. <laughs> I'm sure you're right, and of course the appointment is made on your judgment and uh, your responsibility. Responsibility is something I have never evaded, Secretary. Ah, may I then tell the President that you are confident that the Blake problem will be solved soon? You may tell him to prepare a statement announcing that Blake has been eliminated. Thank you for your reassurances, Supreme Command. Goodbye. A safe journey back to Earth. Um, we don't we don't know anything about this character, but she nails the character in her first scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who this person is, what they think. She's confident. She's vibrant. She's not. You know, she's not not. Not it's this sounds it sounds terrible, but usually when you get powerful women, they're just written as men. Mm. Um, but she's not; she's sensual with it. But there's no loss of power, and I think it, it, it's it's a s- stunning performance. But my other one that I really love, and it, I always liked it, but I never really knew why. And it was you that when we did the episode that that summed it up for me, which is the way she handles the situation, and it's from Weapon. When? You don't hurry a clone master. Out of respect, Supreme Commander. They are a little awesome. Reverence, I wouldn't have thought you capable of it. I'm capable of taking the one thing you have left if you persist with your impertinence, Travis. My visits to the retraining therapist have left me... I don't know. Is there anything of value that remains to me? Blake's death. I meant no impudence, Supreme Commander. Mm-hmm. From when she calmly out shouts Tara, uh, Travis mm-hmm. without shouting because mm-hmm. she knows that and she, you know, it, it's just it's a sublime bit of acting. Um, it's a great Travis performance and it's a great Serverland performance. And yeah, so they would be my two standouts. No, and they are standouts. Yeah. Um, but for me, there, there 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 is one that stands out more. Um, I can I can quite clearly choose just the one, and it's from Terminal. Okay. Yeah. When Servalan is telling Avon that Blake is dead. What about Blake? Ah yes, Blake. I owe him so much. After all, it was he who brought you to me. We made a deal. You promised me Blake. Blake is dead. He died from his wounds on the planet Jevron more than a year ago. I saw his body. I saw it cremated. Blake is dead. I saw him. I spoke to him. You saw nothing. Heard nothing. It was an illusion. A drug-induced and electronic dream. 
We spent months preparing it. We recreated Blake inside our computers. Voice, images, memories, a million fragmented facts. When I was ready, I started sending you the messages. Seeding the idea in your mind, I was conditioning you. And you were my greatest ally, Avon. You made it easy because you wanted to believe it. You wanted to believe that Blake was still alive. Let it go, Avon. One final thing. As you know, this planet was designed to help our scientists watch and study how life first developed on Earth. The experiment was more than successful and has led to some highly unpleasant life forms. Do be careful. We have met some sort of primitive humanoids. I hate to think that they were our ancestors. Oh, but they're not. The planet's evolution was massively accelerated. It developed through millions of years in a very short time. The creature you saw is not what man developed from. It is what man will become. You know, he died yeah, of his powerful. wounds, you yeah. know, blah, blah, blah. And it's just the way she delivers that, you know. Uh, I, 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 I love it. When, when we finally get to our terminal um, episode, that I'm not cutting, you know. Um, yeah. You, you, you know, about how she says I was conditioning you and you were my greatest ally, you know, blah, 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 blah. I love it. I love it. I, I think it's a fantastic performance. Yeah, it's... I mean, it is a shame that the character, and I don't think it's any fault of Jacqueline Pierce, but the character did descend into a pantomime villain. Mm. Mm. We were saying um, that in the yeah. uh, Jarvik one, weren't we? Exactly, yeah. And um, occasionally could go over the top, mm. but I think it's a it's a stunning body of work and a stunning character mm. from a stunning actress, isn't it? It's, yeah, that's neat, neatly summed up, mm. Ian. Well done. All right. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's us done for today. Uh, we'll move on, and moving on after a special means we go back to uh, season one. Season next, one next week. We're back to season one reset time, and I don't think it's going to be a pain to talk about Kane. <laughs> I see what you did there. Mm, yeah. So we're talking Julian Glover. We're talking Kane. We're talking about printed circuit boards in scalps. <laughs> and we're talking Gan. We don't very often talk about no, Gan, we but we're going to be, be nice. talking about Gan yeah. quite a bit next week, I think. It'll be nice to uh, to gab about Gan, won't it? We'll gab about Gan. Yes. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. So, everybody, um, stay tuned. We're back next week, and uh, we'll see you all then. Okay. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Ian. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.